Are you ready for the Word of God? Ready your Bibles right now to the book of Joshua. The pastors have programmed that for this year, we're going to have a number of sermon series. We'll have sermon series to touch on different areas of our existence. The last, the month of January, we talked about the series and our vision as a church. So we have all of these paraphernalia to remind us that we are oaks of righteousness. By February, we talked about the series on love, loving our God, loving our nation, loving our family, loving our church. This March, we're going to commence a sermon series entitled, I Am Second. I Am Second. Can you, can you see that? There we go. And we will, we're going to talk about many different characters in the Bible. Three reasons why we say we are second, why I say I am second. Number one, because it reminds me, it reminds us that Jesus is first. I am only second. Now, you can always theologically argue that you are third or fourth or fifth. Maybe you can say I am the 100th. It's okay. But for emphasis, we say we are second to remind us that we are not first. That's the practical side of it. Another practical reason when we say we are second is that when you are an empty cup before the Lord, you are now posturing, you're now positioning yourself in a posture of receptiveness, that you can now receive the blessings from the Lord because the Lord delights on people who are humble. For people that know their position in the kingdom of God, that yes, you are valued, that yes, you are redeemed. You are the loved of the Lord. You are the healed of the Lord. But never will the number one spot ever be shared by God to anyone else. For God is jealous and never will He share His glory with anybody else. Jesus is first. I am second. Tell the person beside you, I am second. Another reason why we are launching this series is because Last year when we launched our vision of rebuild, renew, and restore, one of the key points that the Lord really impressed upon us is that this generation, right now, our generation, it is incumbent upon us to prepare the second generation, the next generation, the younger ones. And that's why God bless you, Coach Carlo, Coach Kat, for initiating camps like the kids' camp. Because everything that we do in the church Number one is for the glory of God, and number two is to prepare the coming generation. Because I have heard it said that Christianity is just one generation away from extinction. If we don't prepare the Timothys, the Joshuas of this generation, our generation will one day pass. And that's why we are now referring to Europe as post-Christian Europe. Somehow the Europeans of the olden times failed to pass on their faith, and that's why their cathedrals are now mosques. Their cathedrals are now bars and coffee shops and disco houses. We don't want to drop the ball during our generation. We say, I am second because we emphasize the importance, the primacy of the next generation here in our ministries. And so, just to give you a preview of what we're going to discuss for the next five Sundays, kasi ngayong March po, 
may lima pong linggo, limang Sundays. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach about Elisha, a prophet that had been second to Elijah, the great prophet Elijah, so anointed, and yet Elisha has been granted by the Lord a double portion of the anointing of Elijah. Why? Because Elisha has always had always known his position in the kingdom. He was second. Three Sundays from now, I'm going to talk about John the Baptist. This great messenger who shouted in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. John the Baptist was so complimented by Jesus Christ with his very words, no man has ever lived in this planet nor will ever live that would be greater than John the Baptist. But John the Baptist was the very person who said, I must now decrease so Jesus must increase. John the Baptist knew he was second. After that, we're going to talk about another character in the book of Acts. His name is Stephen, the greatest waiter in the Bible, but the first martyr. He was the one raised by the apostles to serve on the tables of the widows. Stephen knew that nothing was too mundane for the servant of the Lord. He was willing to wait on tables so that the apostles could devote themselves to prayer and to the teaching of the Word. Stephen was given by the Lord the chance to see the gates of heaven open as he was being ushered to it because Stephen knew Jesus is first. He was second. And on the last Sunday, I'm going to talk about Timothy, this great apprentice of the Apostle Paul, made to be the pastor of the, of the church in Ephesians, that when the apostle knew that his life was now a cup offering being poured into emptiness, he now raised up a Timothy, charging him to never be conquered by the spirit of fear and timidity because he has been given the spirit of power and love and self-control. Timothy did great things for the kingdom of God because he knew God is first. He was second. Tell some people around you today, I am second. Are you excited for this? Because I am excited. My heart has been prepared by the Lord for the last few months. Even before I was preparing for the love series, I was already preparing my heart for this I am second series. Now, this is not an original of Lighthouse Pastors. About 10 years ago, a church in the U.S. launched a program, video-based teachings. It's entitled exactly, I am second. I just forgot the church that launched this. So for attribution's sake, I would like to give credit to those that started this statement. But, you know, in church, copyright means the right to copy. So we are copying the phrase for the glory of God. Today, we're going to talk about Joshua. And that's why I'd like you to turn your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Now, let's commit this first in prayers. Bow on our heads. Father, we thank you that there's always freshness in the sharing of your word in the pulpit that you have designed for your church. This pulpit, Lord, is not a lectern. This is not a motivational speaking tool. This is a symbol of your authority. May the words that will proceed from this pulpit come from your very heart. Make use of the preacher 
hide the preacher behind your power. So that, Lord, in the next coming Sundays, as we ponder on this phrase, I am second, we will fully know the depth and the profundity of these words. So come now, Holy Spirit. Speak in a manner only you can. For our hearts are ready. Our minds are open. Do the things that only you can do. In the name of Jesus. Everyone will say, Amen. Let me give a context first on Joshua before we go to the reading of the word. Joshua first figured in the Bible somewhere in the book of Numbers, the 13th and the 14th chapter. Before that, Joshua was largely unknown. It was Moses who was always and has always been the star of the show because Moses was this great leader who led the people of Israel out of Egypt. And that's why it's called the Exodus, the exit. But then when they were already in the desert of Sinai and they know that the land of Canaan, the promised land, is just 14 days away, two weeks away, by foot, they would have reached the land of promise. Moses sent 12 spies, one spy from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And two of those 12 spies were Joshua and Caleb. And you know the rest of the story. They spied the land. They saw the, the pomegranates, the grapes, the lush, the bountiful harvest that would be available for the people of Israel. And they got excited because truly God prepared for them a beautiful land. And so after 40 days, they came back. And Joshua and Caleb, amongst the 12, were the most excited ones. Let's go, Moses. We have seen the land. The people were already trembling in fear because they know we are coming. God is good. We are going to have this land as an inheritance promised to our very forefather, Abraham. Joshua and Caleb were the most excited ones. But you know the rest of the story. The other 10 were afraid. Why? Because they did not focus on the promise of the Lord. They did not focus on the beautiful things stored for them. They focused on the Anakites, the giants that lived in the land. Oh, we, were, we looked like grasshoppers in their eyes, they said. And because of that, the other people of Israel were infected by the, by the fear, by the nervousness of the ten. The two, Joshua and Caleb, were overpowered. And because of that, the, the rest of the millions of Israelites that just experienced the miracles of the Lord started demanding Moses to take them back to Egypt. All of a sudden, they forgot that the Lord was within their midst. And you know the rest of the story. That was the time when the Lord cursed that nation. He said, surely no one in this generation that came out of Egypt would be able to step into the promised land, except for Joshua and Caleb. So you know the rest, the rest of the story. And soon enough, as Moses was growing older, in Numbers 27, the Lord commanded Moses to lay his hands upon Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit. The Lord says, lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation. And you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. The Lord knew that the time of Moses was soon coming to an end. And so the Lord did not want a generation to pass without a successor 
to continue the work. Why? John Maxwell would say, success without successor is a failure. Moses knew, God knew that Moses was going to die soon. And so he commissioned Moses to establish Joshua in the midst of the people of Israel. And the end of Deuteronomy would record the death of Moses in the Mount of Nebo. And Joshua chapter 1 would now start by saying, Moses is now dead. Joshua, be strong and be very courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong and be very courageous. Be careful to do according, according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The Lord was now raising up this new generation of leader by the name of Joshua. Joshua chapter 2. Moses commissioned spies once again to go into the land behind the walls of Jericho. And the two spies met with Rahab the prostitutes and they were able to escape the careful gaze of the people in Jericho. And because of that, they reported back to Joshua that the hearts of the people in Jericho were now melting away in fear because they knew the chosen people of the Lord were coming. Joshua chapter 3. You will see that in your Bibles that the Lord cared enough to prove that His anointing was upon Joshua because just as He did with Moses, He was now with Joshua. The river of Jordan parted ways. If Moses had his miracle of the parting of the Red Sea, Joshua had his miracle of the parting of the Jordan River. Just to prove that Joshua was the anointed one. And you have Joshua chapter 4 where they set up altars of commemoration so that all of the generation would know and would have the confidence that just as the Lord was with the first generation, He would always be with the second generation. And that's where we take off today for our preaching. Turn now to Joshua chapter 5. Out of reverence for God's Word, let us all rise. Joshua chapter 5, they now have crossed the Jordan River. They are now facing the uh, imposing walls of Jericho. The first few verses in Joshua chapter 5 would talk about the Lord commissioning Joshua to circumcise all the young men because those that crossed the Red Sea have not been circumcised yet so that they would be reestablished in their covenant. And now we talk on verse 13. Settle your eyes now on verse 13 of Joshua chapter 5. Let's read this out loud together. Shall we? Ready and go. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up, he caught sight of a man standing in front of him with his sword drawn. Joshua went up and said to him, Are you on our side or that of our enemies? He said, Neither. I am the commander of the Lord's heavenly force. Now I have arrived. Then Joshua fell flat on his face and worshipped. And Joshua said to him, What is my master saying to his servant? Verse 15, And the commander of the Lord's army 
said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Put your hands on your Bibles. Say this again with me. This is my Bible. This is God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. By faith, I receive the inspired, the anointed, the life-changing Word of God. Whatever I hear, I will do. Whatever I receive, I will share. In the name of Jesus, everyone will say, give praise to the Lord as you get seated. I am second. So you don't know the challenges of Joshua. Now, Joshua was always a courageous man. From the time in Numbers 13 and Numbers 14, when they got so excited to attack the people of Canaan, you would know that Joshua's temperament was different from that of Moses. Moses was never a warrior. Moses was a spoiled brat in his first 40 years in Egypt. Moses became an uh, obscure, almost forgotten shepherd in Midian in the next 40 years of his life, from 40 to 80 years old. He became the deliverer of, Egypt, of Israel from Egypt at age 80. But Moses was always a reluctant leader. Moses was not up to the task. And that's why you would read in Exodus, every time he would come across a wall, Whenever the people would whine and grumble and murmur, Moses would complain bitterly unto God. He would say, Lord, these are not my people. How long shall I put up with them? Now, that was Moses. And that's why when the people were asking Moses for water, out of rage, the Lord said, command this rock to give water. Instead of commanding the rock, he struck the rock with his staff. The Lord saw the anger the consternation, the bitterness in the heart of Moses. And because of that, Moses was punished by God. He said, you will never see the promised land. Moses was a very self-doubting. He always second-guessed. He always doubted his leadership skills. And because of that, Moses led the people round and round and round the desert for 40 years. The Lord had to raise a Joshua. A man of passion, a man of audacity, a man of courage, a man who would not hesitate, who would not think twice. Humarang-harang kasata sa dinadaanan ni Joshua, may isang tutumba, siguradong hindi si Joshua yun. Ikaw yun. Joshua was the courageous man. He was the army. He was the general of the army of the Israelites during the time. But you see, for the longest time, Joshua enjoyed being in the shadows of this great man named Moses, the miraculous man named Moses, the miracle worker named Moses, a man who saw face to face our God. Joshua, for the last 80 years now, since they came out of Egypt and the 40 years that they were in the, in the, um, in the desert, Joshua was content with being second. He was Moses' aide personal assistant, dakilang alalay ni Moses. Whenever Moses would go to the tent of meetings, Joshua would stand guard on the outside. He would hear their conversations with God, but Joshua always was content that he was at least not making the decisions for the people. 
Now, leadership is different, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to be a follower. It's good to reside in the safety of the shadow of a great leader. Pag ikaw ay nakikita pa lang sa bahay ng mga magulang mo, sarap, di ba? Hindi ka nagbabayad ng ilaw. Hindi ka nagbabayad ng tubig. Hindi ikaw ang nag-groceries. Even though you're grown up, even though you're already aged, for as long as you're under the roof of your parents, your parents still are the leaders. And it's good to be under great leaders. Because you don't have to call the shots. And now Joshua was now the top leader. The buck now stops on him. There was no longer a Moses to refer to. There was no longer a higher up to blame. Nobody else to throw the responsibility toward. The buck now stopped on Joshua. All of a sudden, Joshua's role of being the second man in command, the aide, the dakilang alalay, the personal assistant, now he was in the front. And being a leader means you're going to see things that you have never seen before. I'd like to talk to the leaders that are here. The challenge of leadership is this. Every day is a new thing for you because you are leading. It's different when you're just running in circles. Every day is just the same as it was yesterday. Every day is just a repetition. And that was what Moses did for 40 years in the desert. They were just repeating things. And now Moses was dead. Joshua was in the, Joshua was in the front. And the Lord commanded him, he will never be, he would never be a repeater of what was done for the last 40 years. He was now going to conquer the land of promise. The first stop were the walls of Jericho. I experienced this myself. We crossed when we went to the Middle East, when we went to Israel. We, we spent three days in Jordan. After three days in Jordan, we crossed the Jordan River. Our first city to arrive to was Jericho. We had our lunch in Jericho. Our first land, land, our first lunch in the promised land was in Jericho, as history would tell us. Now, for Joshua, it was his first litmus test of being a leader. Hindi na siya vice president. Hindi na siya assistant vice president. Hindi na siya supervisor. Hindi lang siya senior manager. He was now the chairman, the president, and the CEO all rolled into one. He was now going to lead the people as God commanded them to overcome the walls of Jericho. How do you do that? In the mind of Joshua, baka mapahiya ako. He must have been thinking that. And that's why the Lord had to encourage him, be strong, be very courageous. Because probably saw the Lord saw the eyes of Joshua were trembling in fear. He was so comfortable being the personal assistant, but now he was going to call the shots. And now every rise and fall, every decision that will go awry, every decision that will go wrong, it will have to be blamed and pinned on him. No Moses to fall back to. For the leaders here, I honor you. Because your role is difficult. For the fathers and the mothers are here who will have and who have to make decisions for the future of your children. You must admit, there are many times you would second-guess yourself. Tama ba ang ginagawa ko sa aking mga anak? Hindi pa sila napapasama sa style ng aking pagiging magulang sa kanila? But there's no book that will tell you 
step by step how to do the things that you should do. Why? Because every child is unique. You might have a thousand parenting books in uh, fully booked right now or in power books, but there's not one book written just for your child. You will have to figure out yourself. And that's why for Joshua, everything was brand new. Everything was novel. Everything was unique. How does he do it? And so Joshua, in his effort to do this, he summoned all the armies of Israel, but he came to a crossroad, as our reading would show today. He came to a crossroad, and in the crossroad, he was met with a man with a drawn sword. Now, he did not know who this man was. Other Bible illustrations would show that this man was glistening in light to show his celestial nature. But nothing of the sort was mentioned. The Bible just said, there was a man right in front of the path of Joshua and his sword was drawn. It was something new for Joshua. But here's something that I also realize as a leader. Your present actions are always defined by your past experiences. Your present actions are always inspired whether you like it or not, you will have to fall back to your past experiences. Paano nga ba natin ginawa to before? Paano ko nga ba ginawa to before? And maybe Joshua was thinking about the Amalekites. Oh, the Amalekites. I was the one who fought the Amalekites, Exodus 17. And the Amalekites were defeated by my sword. And so Joshua must have stood there eye to eye with his swordsman in front of him. And he had one question. And you know what that question was. He said, Hey, are you for us or are you against us? There must be authority in his voice because Joshua was now in a war mode. War footing na to pare. Hindi to pamamasyal sa desert. They were now being instructed to overcome the formidable, the, the undefeatable, seemingly undefeatable walls of Jericho. And there was a man standing on them, also drawn sword. Which brings me to my first point today in this I Am Second series. All of us, when we realize that we are second, the Lord will bring us, will have to bring us to our crossroads. Why do I say that? Because in our crossroads, it is a time to clarify who we are. It is time to clarify what we stand for. It is time to go back who really are we in the sight of God and in the sight of man. And for Joshua, his first litmus test as a leader. Una niyang sabak bilang isang leader. Ito na ngayon ang unang gerang susuungin niya na wala ng Moses na nagdadasal para sa kanya. Na wala ng commander na nagdedirect sa kanya ng strategy. To the leaders that are here, to my fellow pastors, my fellow elders that are here, we have been to a lot of crossroads in our lives. To the parents that are here, to the ministers that are here, to the disciples that are here, you have been to so many crossroads in your lives as well. In that crossroad, you are being forced to look at yourself for who you really are. Sino ka nga ba? Sino nga ba ang kakampi mo? Sino nga ba ang kalaban mo? Sino nga ba 
ang nasa side mo. But here is what I've realized, ladies and gentlemen. For Joshua, when he was in that crossroads, ang kanyang second nature, ang kanyang instinct was to be in the war footing, as I said, and to ask this guy, are you for us? Are you against us? I have written this last night. Our crossroads would always lead us to our core. Why? Because for Joshua, black and white sa kanya ang buhay. Kung hindi kita kakampi, kaaway kita. And maybe the paranoia and the alarm level was not just only red alert, probably triple red alert because they knew they could be harped on by the, by the arrows, by the spears of their enemies. Joshua always had to go back or had to go back to that default position. Kakambi ba kita o hindi? Little did he know that the Lord was leading him to his core for him to revisit what he really stood for, what was really valuable for him as a warrior. Your crossroads will lead you to your core. Because Joshua must have been astounded, must have been surprised by the reply of the swordsman in front of him. What was the answer? The swordsman said, neither, neither, however you pronounce it. English teacher, neither, neither. Both, okay lang. It must have been, why? Romans chapter 8 would say, if God is for us, no one can be against us. Oh, this made me stop. Why was it that this man, a swordsman, would not answer yes or no? Are you for me or are you against me? Are you for the armies of Israel or are you our enemies? And the man said, neither, neither. You know why? He said, like you, I'd like us to get this, mga kapatid. The question in life, the temptation of man almost always, if not always, is to try to recruit God to be on our side. To always try to convince God to be on our agenda. To try to always convince and coax and twist the arms of God to fight for you. When as a matter of fact, I am second principle would tell us it is not about God siding with you. It is you siding with the very agenda of God and for me that makes all the difference in this world. Because for all of these things, mga kapatid, it's always like a competition. Parang tatay, right? Papasok si Rafa, papasok si Caleb, doon mga baby pa sila, parehong umiiyak. Nag-uunahan sa sumbong sa tatay. No, dad, he did this. And Caleb would say, no, Ati did this to me. They're trying to put me in a tight position so that I would have to choose sino ang kakampihan ko, sino ang aking papaluin. And that's how we relate with God oftentimes, ladies and gentlemen. We always ask, are you for us? Are you against us? Are you for my church or are you for the church in that other side of the corner? Are you for the Methodist or are you, are you for the Baptist? Are you for the youth or are you for the old generation? 
It's always trying to recruit God to be on your side because everybody else, zero-sum game, as we learn in political science, would say, if God is for me, if the, if the tides turn towards me, then you are a loser. I am the winner. It must have been a rude awakening for Joshua. The man said, neither. Because it's not about God siding with you. It is about you getting on on the right side of God. It's about you siding with God. It's about you asking the Lord first what is the Lord's agenda and not trying to convince God to follow through with your own agenda in life. Can anybody, can anybody say amen today, mga kaibigan? Because that's the weakness of so many people. That's my weakness. Why? Because I have been raised by a father in summer to be an alpha male. Bata pa lang ako, bago matulog sa bahay, my dad would instruct me, siguruhin mo anak, nakaklose ang mga pintuan, mga bintana. Alam ng kapatid ko to, lahat kaming mga lalaki, bago matulog sa summer, merong katabing baston, baseball bat, itak, habang natutulog. You know why? Baka may magnanakaw, or worse, baka may aswang. Yes. Because the folklore of incantos and aswangs and manananggals were also real when we were growing up. And so, anak, don't ever allow yourself to be caught empty-handed. When you go somewhere, bibili ka lang ng mantika sa kanto, make sure that you have a long baseball bat for the dogs, for the mad killers, for the aswang. Now, why was it working against me when I became a minister? I'm not saying I'm a Joshua because I'm far from being a Joshua. But every time when I was a new pastor, every time I would be assigned to do something, the Lord convicted me that the thing that marked my earlier ministry was prayerlessness. Because I am an action man. Because I am a man of action. Because I'm a man who could make things happen. I'm a man that can confront things in the eye. I'm a man that can speak straight to you. I'm a man who couldn't care less kung masaktang ko hindi because I am an alpha male. But the Lord would have to discipline in many areas of my life. You don't do it that way. Because if you like to make things happen in your life, Jojo, there are spiritual components to winning. Not just the physical side, not just the charismatic side, not just the ability to cast the vision, not just to eloquently wax Beautiful words. Because these words are just human abilities. These organizational skills are just human abilities. These convincing skills, this closing power, these are just human abilities. If God's anointing, if God's unction will not be upon the things that you do, try as you might, tumumbling kang sampung beses. At the most, your wins will be temporary. But if the unction of God is upon you because you are not just applying your skills, you are yielding everything that you have to the very agenda of God and you're saying, Lord, I am not first, Lord. You are first. I am second. This is all about you. So I surrender my innate instinct to make things happen for myself. Lord, I yield. I detach myself from the propensity to make things happen just because I can make things happen. Lord, it's not about you siding with me or siding with anyone else. It's about me siding with you first. And for me, that's the core of the I am second philosophy. Get this right, Lighthouse Christian community. 
and the rest of our eternity will be made right. Get this wrong. And all the other religious activities that we will be engaged in in this church, all the business that we have, all the services that we give, all the actions that we do, all the ministries that we dispense, could be, at worst, be deceiving. Because we think we are doing something for God. We could be deceived thinking, may ginagawa ako para kay Lord. Ako nga ang nagpapakain, no? Ako nga ang nagpupunta. Ako nga ang nag evangelize It's now about you. I am now first. I am now first. Naku, pagmawala ako sa church na ito, pagsisisihan ninyo. The Lord has to remind us today, it's always been about Jesus. We are second. Tell again the person beside you, we are second. And when Joshua had this eureka moment, neither. That's the time when the swordsman introduced himself. He said, I am the commander of the Lord's heavenly force. Now I have arrived. And then Joshua knew he was in the presence of the divine. Some theologians say this must have been Gabriel. The archangel, some theologians would say, it must have been God himself, for the Bible describes God as the commander of the heavenly hosts. He was in the presence of God himself. And in the presence of God, you will have to choose your position. You will have to choose whether you try to recruit God to be on your side or yield yourself to be on the side of God. And because of this, Joshua was taken back to his core. And the Bible says, he fell down on his face and started worshiping him. And Joshua asked the question that he should have asked from the beginning. He started saying, Lord, what is the master saying to his servant? And the Lord must have been nodding his head, saying, you're getting it. You're getting it. You are not first, Joshua. You're merely second. In all your lives, paths, in all your plans that you will pursue, it will not be about your preferences. It will not be about your likes or dislikes. It will not be about your gustos or disgustos. It will always be about God. And so I realized the first wall that needed to break was not the wall of Jericho. Because the Lord already given, has given Joshua the word. Jericho is now yours. Close deal na yun. But the Lord needed to do something in the heart of Joshua first. It was the first wall that needed to break. And I'm speaking this prophetic word to many of us here today. You've been trying to break down the walls of Jericho in front of you. That business deal. That sweetheart that you're trying to win the heart of. That plan in your school. That ministry initiative that you would like to take off. But the Lord is reminding you. You're trying to break down the walls of Jericho without even asking first, what is it that the master wants his servant to do? Let this crossroads take you to your core. For only then will we realize Jesus is first. We are only second. And so the commander of the Lord said, take off your sandals from your feet for the place you are standing is holy and Joshua did so I was I was reading Joshua back and forth for the last two weeks before this time 
Joshua had all the anointing, the lay hands ni Moses. Joshua had all the reports from the spies. Nanginginig na sila sa takot. Joshua had all these confirmations of the of the parting of the Jordan River. But never from Joshua 1, Joshua 2, jo- Joshua 3, Joshua 4, never had I seen Joshua fall down on his knees to worship God. Never. Why? Because he was Joshua. Maybe he thought he does not need to do those weak stuff. But you see, my friend, the Bible says, when we are weak, God is proven to be the strongest. Amen? When we know that we are second, then we know Jesus is first, and that's going to be the deal for the rest of eternity, forever and ever. Everyone will say? Amen. Amen. For the first time, Joshua worshipped the Lord took off his sandals for he knew he was in the presence of the divine. It was only when Joshua was brought to his crossroads and he was brought back to his core that now Joshua could be the champion of the cause of God. And this is the word of the Lord for all of us. First with me and for the rest of the community. All of these promises of the Lord that we would be oaks of righteousness, all of these promises that He will be sustaining us in our trials, na Siya ang batis ng ating pagpapala, na Siya ang ating, ang magbibigay ng ating panahon ng pamumunga, at Siya ang magbibigay sa atin ng tagumpay sa lahat ng ating mga mithiin. All of these are promises, and these promises will always be good and true. But there's a wall that needs to be broken down. The walls of your heart. Because if that heart remains prideful, if hubris will now take over that heart of ours, my friends, try as we might, we can be the most valiant, most audacious, most daring, most relentless, most passionate warrior that we have always been, but God will always put us into our place. Hey, Alvin, you are second. Jesus is first. Paul, you are second. Jesus is first. Farrell, you are second. Jesus is first. Doksha, you are second. Jesus is first. The Lord will bring us to that. And let us not wait for the discipline of the rod of the Lord to come unto us just for us to know that we are second. And He will always be first. And you know the rest of the story. When Joshua got this, he followed the Lord's agenda. And you know the rest of the story. Joshua chapter 6 records a military exploit that has never been done ever before and has never been done ever again. How this formidable, double, triple layers of wall. I don't know if you are watching Netflix. I am now watching Constantinople. The Ottoman Empire. It's a series. I am fascinated by it. That in the middle of Constantinople, present-day Istanbul, the Ottoman Empire barricaded itself because of the walls of Constantinople. And only the Byzantine Empire was able to conquer it. The walls fell down, but because of military tactics. But for this, the walls of Jericho fell down, not because they were militarily strategic, but because they circled it six times on the first six days and seven times on the seventh day. And when they shouted, the walls came crumbling down. When you meet God in your crossroads and you allow the Lord to speak to your core, 
then now you can be a champion because even the championships and the trophies and the victories that you will be receiving from this point forward will always bring you down to your knees and not take you to the pride, to the mountains of pride. Even your own success and triumphs will be a solemn reminder. You've always been second. God will always be first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so, come on, give praise to the Lord. In the twilight of Joshua's life, he was able to do a lot of exploits, so many battles that the Lord gave him victory. He lost only one battle, the battle of Ai, the battle of Ai. You know why? Because one of his soldiers brought an idol with him, and the Lord's fury burned against the Israelites. That was the only battle that Joshua ever lost. But when they got their acts together, when God was again placed in his preeminent position of being first and them being second, Joshua's career, Joshua's ministry, Joshua's leadership was always marked by success upon success, championship upon championship. Because Joshua then knew God is first, he is second. And so in the twilight of his life, Joshua could only declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He challenged the rest of the Israelites, choose you amongst yourselves today, who amongst the gods you will serve, the God of the Amorites, the God of beyond the Euphrates River. Come on, choose. But now I am making this choice clear to the spiritual world and to the rest of you listening right here, right now. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord because it has always been about God. It has never been about me. God has always been first. I have always been second. Everybody rise to your feet, mga kaibigan. We will sing a song, but we will declare this first. And we will be declaring this for the next five Sundays until we have memorized this community declaration. A declaration that I believe God will use to remind us to the lives of Joshua and Elisha and John the Baptist and Stephen and Timothy and all the other biblical characters that have ever lived. That God will never relinquish His throne. He's jealous of His glory. And that He's bringing us to our rightful place. We are second. Let's declare this lighthouse. Sabay sabay, ready go. Our God is the greatest. Say it louder, ready go. Our God is the greatest. Jesus is mighty first. God's agenda is my life. The Spirit is my guide. No power is above His Word. No one replaces my Lord. I yield my every dream. My life is all about Him. For the cross He bore, for every pain and wound, I declare, Jesus is first. And I am His. I am second. Give glory to the Lord.